Welcome to the Brain People Podcast, a show where four mental health experts team up to bring you practical tools for overcoming mental health challenges. The Brain People don't replace your doctor or therapist, but we will give you some extra tools to help you on your journey. So join us as we fight mental illness, one episode at a time. Welcome to the Brain People Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Binus, and I'm a psychiatrist, and I'm joined today by Amanda. Anguish. <laughs> I always, you know, since you're married, I always hesitate. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I which. changed <laughs> it yet. <laughs> so Amanda <Pure> Anguish. <laughs> yes, and, and we, we love that anguish because we know yeah. that, uh, you know, when you come and do therapy with Amanda, it's uh-huh. going to be some hard work. <laughs> it's like my shtick now. I can't not have it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's like your, 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 my trademark, that, your trademark. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Amanda is a marriage and family therapist mm-hmm. and today's topic is going to be on dissociation. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I've struggled y- for years to spell correctly. <laughs> And I still do. It's one of those words that just spelled weird, uh-huh. but it's actually a very interesting and pertinent topic. And I yeah. think as we delve into it, our audience is going to start realizing, oh, wow, this is something that pertains to everybody on mm-hmm. some level or another. So Amanda, would you be able to tell us a little bit about what dissociation actually is? What is that? Yeah. So dis- dissociation, I always want to say disassociation. <laughs> I don't know why, but dissociation is is merely it's well, it's defined as as separating from parts of yourself, but also separating from reality. So really, the definition is just separate or apart. So tell me a little bit more about when we're talking about the separate or apart, like what kind mm-hmm. of symptoms, like how would we know that we're dissociating? Yeah, well, most of us probably, when we think of dissociation, we think of like dissociative identity disorder, otherwise known as multiple personality disorder. And I don't tend to watch these movies, but I looked up some because I know this is what we all think of is like, oh, I watched that movie once and it was that person who had like 18 different personalities and one of those personalities was a, you know, dark murderer and stuff. And we got to watch out for those. But in reality, that's not what we're typically talking about. That's like the extreme one in a bazillion situation. When we talk about dissociation, we're talking about just separating from things that might be difficult in our lives right now. A lot of people are doing this when they go home after work. What is one of the things you do? Switch on the TV. Zone out. Yeah, zone out. I don't want to deal with this difficult (laughs) reality in my life. Yeah, I want to separate from work. And so I'm going to go watch TV or I want to separate from my family. So I'm going to grab a glass of wine or a beer or something so I can kind of check out for a moment or even sometimes shopping can be a way of like, I don't want to deal with all this other stuff. I'm just going to go to my happy place and I'm going to that target or something and I'm going to spend way too much money. I know by the time I leave, but it just gives me like my therapy for the moment. Kind of a way to check out. So that's actually Mm -hmm. a form of dissociation. Yeah. Now there are other aspects of it too. I mean, you think about people having, and it's interesting, you you mentioned, by the way, with the dissociative identity disorder or multi-personality mm-hmm. disorder, uh, that's very rare. And, and that's very true. Actually, mm-hmm. in all my years of psychiatry, I've actually only had, I think, 
maybe probably one or two patients and I've mm-hmm. treated, you know, hundreds of patients yeah. right? and that truly have DID. Mm-hmm. It is actually very rare. It can yeah. happen. I think I've only had one myself and that yeah. was even just recently. So what, what we actually see is we see that dissociation is actually kind of a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so certainly there's kind of those choices that we make to almost purposely dissociate and i think even like daydreaming would oh yeah staring at the wall blankly you know (laughs) yeah and 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 i think you see it especially like even with kids where they kind of have make-believe uh um friends Mm -hmm. and this sort of thing it's like they're kind of dissociating from a complete reality so some of those you know are like okay maybe not the best coping mechanism but not horrible but then Mm -hmm. it kind of seems like it 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 goes along a spectrum where, you know, I've had some people that have like tunnel vision or they maybe start feeling disconnected from reality, even mm-hmm. though they're not like in a different personality or something like that. Yeah. Um, tell me a little more about that area of the spectrum of dissociation. Yeah. So maybe something we have a little bit better understanding of is like, you know, some people will say, Oh, I'm so OCD. And they're Mm -hmm. talking about like, I like to be organized. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you have that person that day in and day out has these routines and rituals that they can't leave the house without having them done. And it interrupts, you know, their work life, their family life. And, you know, it causes them to be really frustrated. They can't seem to not think about it. That's the same way with dissociation. You can have the very seemingly neutral versions Mm -hmm. of that Mm -hmm. where, yeah, I'm just zoning out for a while. Honey, honey, take out the trash. You never listen to me. But he might be dissociating because he had a long day at work and just another thing is just too much. And so he's zoned out or something. That's one, you know, it it seems like (laughs) certain uh, uh, husbands get really good at that for whatever reason. I don't know. You know, their kids could be yelling at them and it's like, honey, don't you hear the kids are yelling at you? And it's like, what? (laughs) You know, you just woke me up from my, you know awake coma. Mm -hmm. But on the other end of that is when, you know, maybe somebody has had, you know, severe childhood trauma and dissociation is a coping skill Mm -hmm. to separate themselves from that trauma and they go into another place or they go into another persona of Mm -hmm. sorts to be able to rationalize what's going on or to separate, to not feel the pain And that sort of thing. You could probably talk about, you know, even the brain mechanisms of what's going on with that because, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I want to get that to that in just a couple of minutes here. But what I've noticed, too, and you mentioned, you know, trauma. I have uh, some clients that have experienced significant trauma. I think Mm -hmm. we, we both do. And some of them will tell me things like, you know, I drove. And I have no idea. I don't remember anything. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's often after they're triggered in some way. And it's just like their conscious mind blanks out and they just have this lapse of time, but they were actually doing something like driving or maybe Mm -hmm. even having a conversation or something. And they just totally blanked out and forgot. So it's like you said, it's that disconnection. It can be, uh, you know, the disconnection, disconnected feeling from reality, Mm -hmm. which we call derealization. It can be, a disconnection from 
what we feel in our body, right? Depersonalization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's that tunnel vision or the the feeling that time is is stopping, you're in a time warp. Mm-hmm. So there's there's kind of the, a lot of different symptoms, uh, but certainly it's it's all disconnection when yeah. we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to talk a little bit about causes. And I know you mentioned trauma, but if you don't mind elaborating a little bit on the causes of dissociation and, and really it seems like trauma is probably the biggest one, right? So maybe talk a little bit yeah. about why people would dissociate, why that's related to dissociation. Yeah. So we have really resilient bodies and we have really resilient brains. If you meet some people, you'll know that because of what they put their bodies through, what they put their brains through, and we're, they're still somehow alive after all of that. But There's only so much that the body can handle and so much that the brain can handle. And, you know, we don't know based on who it is how much they can handle necessarily. But each person almost has that like tipping point where they get to that place. And usually it happens in childhood because when do we have the least amount of coping skills to mm-hmm. handle stuff? In childhood, right? We don't have the words to say what's going on, or maybe we don't have access to the resources that we need. So our child brain goes, switches off, or we go to another place. Some people even jokingly call it their happy place, yes. you know, where they, you know, we want to make fun of those sorts of things, but in reality, for some people, they have to go there to be able to endure what they're going through. And then because they've done that, now the brain knows, oh, hey, this works. This is my protection. This is my safe place. And then when anything, even on a lesser level, might happen, rather than deal with it consciously, they separate and they mm-hmm. go to that place or they dissociate from it so they don't have to deal with it. So it starts out as something helpful mm-hmm. to deal with the situation or the trauma, but then it can turn into a maladaptive behavior because I know too well how to go there and now I don't know how to be in reality. Yeah. No, it, it, and it's very interesting because as you're sitting there talking, I'm dissociating and thinking about <laughs> how <laughs> back back to the conversation. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's something related to the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's true. Yeah, I think it's kind of dissociation. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so what I was thinking about is my smartphone, right? Mm-hmm. So one time I had my smartphone, I was talking on it, and then I put it on the dashboard, and it was a really hot day in Southern California, mm-hmm. and so it starts heating up, right? Well, what was interesting is that it got to a certain temperature and what happened to that smartphone? It shut down. It actually yeah. would not work anymore. Oh, that's a good analogy. Yeah. And and it was and the reason for that is because they actually programmed that smartphone to shut down at a certain temperature and not work so that it co- could cool down. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if I kept, if the temperature just kept rising and I kept using it or it kept getting hotter and hotter, then it, the whole thing could melt down and never work again. Right. Yeah. Cause it takes some heat already to make it work. Exactly. And it can't go past that point. If- yeah. And so I'm kind of thinking, you know, with that self-protection from trauma, it's almost like our brain can only handle so much and mm-hmm. it's like heat almost heating up as we're dealing with trauma and we're and it's not even always in the moment right mm-hmm. it's remembering the trauma reliving the trauma yeah. and as the those strong emotions are coming up our our brain to protect itself to prevent itself from like overheating mm-hmm. and basically blowing a fuse 
permanent brain damage, right? Absolutely. It just, let's shut down, mm-hmm. let's dissociate, let's go to another place so that we can kind of cool down. Is that, I mean, do you think that's a reasonable analogy? Oh, absolutely. And and unfortunately, though, it becomes a maladaptive thing because we keep going to it and we don't know how to be in reality anymore because it's served as a protection for us. Hmm. And that that's what... That's what we want to be careful of or we want to, you know, seek help if we get to that place. Now, a lot of us, we're inundated with all kinds of ways to dissociate. And so it becomes a little bit scarier now that, you know, we might see the rates of dissociation rising because we have all kinds of technology to help us dissociate. But we don't even need that. Some people stay in bed and just stare at the wall because of that sort of thing. And then they find it really hard to function in a way that is normative to yeah. most people. No, I think it's a great point because I'm sitting here thinking, well, you know, dissociation can be protective uh, when you're dealing with that trauma. But then if you keep going into dissociation, you mm-hmm. never really you, you, you stay stuck. You know, you never progress, you never move through and you just keep going into escape mode. And so what, what was at one point when you initially went through the trauma, very helpful and Mm -hmm. and protected you from having to deal with the full impact of what just happened becomes actually very stunting Mm -hmm. in the long run. It's like floaties, you know, you put floaties on because you don't know how to swim and your parents don't want you to drown in the pool if they turn away for a moment. But what happens if you never take the floaties off? Yes. It protects you, yes, but it also protects you from learning how to swim properly and feel confident in the water without those floaties. Absolutely. And so that's basically what dissociation can do at that trauma level. It can keep us from connecting with reality the way we would want to. Yeah. And I love that analogy because in a lot of ways I'm sitting here thinking, well, you know, the the parent kind of teaching that child to to swim can be in a way almost like a therapist working mm-hmm. with somebody that is struggling with a past trauma. And it's like, okay, well, while you're with me, you can take the floaties off and we can actually start yeah. learning to swim in mm-hmm sea of reality and actually move through it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's really, really neat. Now, a couple of things that I thought was interesting as I was doing a little research on this topic was that there are, when we th- think about causes, of course, main thing is trauma, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's some other causes that, that I looked at that I think it would be really helpful for our listeners to be aware of. That could, especially if you're predisposed to already some Mm -hmm. negative dissociation, you might really want to be careful to avoid these things uh, because they could exacerbate some of that Mm -hmm. pre-existing dissociation. So um, one of those that I, I, I found in the research was actually hypnosis, you know, so hypnosis in and of itself, I mean, that's kind of the definition of hypnosis, right? Mm -hmm. Is that we're dissociating from reality. We're going into an altered state of consciousness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that was one thing, and then you know certain drugs like psychedelics, uh, LSD, uh, mushrooms, etc. Mm-hmm. Also, same sort of deal. And, and some of those people actually use those because of the alternate reality true. that they get to go into and dissociate from the pain or the reality of life that includes responsibilities and things like that, and then they miss out on the joy of overcoming in those responsibilities too. That's actually. 
a really good point. And it's interesting because, of course, yeah, we, we, we might use some of these things, whether it's hypnosis or uh, drugs to kind of escape that pain. But then it, in the end, it just worsens mm-hmm. the problem. Right. Yeah. And and then uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting that I found in some of the research was actually meditation and certain types of meditation. Yeah. Now, I'm not here to demonize meditation. I think it can often be helpful, but there are certain types of meditation that can actually lead people to really altered states of consciousness. And that is actually the goal of a lot of meditation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of meditators describe feeling like they are in a different altered state of reality that the time around them changes and all of this. And so again, absolutely. Yeah. Want to be careful of those things. And and I think that's important to share too, because not a lot of people realize that there isn't just one form of meditation. When we think of it, we think of sitting Indian style and ohm and right. that sort of thing. But there's meditation on, you know, positive things mm-hmm. like positive psychology encourages focusing on things that you're grateful for, meditating on the grateful things. And then for Christians, there's also meditation on God's word and his promises and what God can do for you. So there's many types of meditation. We don't want to say there's only one. And yeah, those can be helpful. Absolutely. Now, Amanda, you mentioned something about um, what's going on in the brain with Mm -hmm. meditation. So uh, maybe I'll just comment on- dissociation. I said meditation. (laughs) It's okay. Too many. uh, Dissociating. Yes, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Thank you for catching me. (laughs) So what just happened in my brain there Uh (laughs) was that instead of using my frontal lobe, which is like my focus, conscious Uh presence and being in, in touch with reality, what happened was the auto autopilot part of my brain, which is actually the limbic area of uh-huh. my brain, limbic system, took over. And what we call that is basically bottom-up regulation mm-hmm. instead of top-down regulation. And so, again, when it just starts to feel overwhelming to our frontal lobe, then we're going to tend to – the frontal lobe, the logical part of our brain is going to tend to shut down, and we're just going to be more reactive on autopilot, mm-hmm. so to speak. And uh, it, a lot of that, when we're truly dissociated, isn't even going to be really registering with uh, our memory. And so it's a very interesting experience. Yeah. And I don't know if you want have any other thoughts on the effect of, of the brain, but it it, it, it is a, an interesting thing how, you know, our brain can just like kind of turn on and off switch. Yeah. It's, it's, it, there's good parts of our brain and then there's parts of our brain that like are almost too helpful that they help us out of things that we should really be working on. And so, yeah, it dissociation is one of those things that the brain can do to go on autopilot, which is helpful if you have a lot of tasks to do and you've done them over and over Mm -hmm. again, but it's not helpful if you really need to think through it and process what's going on and even come up with a new solution for a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the diagnoses when you think about mental health diagnoses that we might see dissociative Mm -hmm. type symptoms? Yeah. Um, So the one that we mentioned that, which is like the popular one is what used to be called multiple personality disorder. And now it's DID or dissociative identity disorder. And that's basically when somebody, you know, appears to have, whether they believe that 
they have multiple people within the brain. This isn't like a schizophrenic type of thing where somebody's talking outside to you. It's literally within your brain that you're having conversations with multiple identities, you you would call it. And so that would be that. And sometimes people know that there are other people there and some people don't realize that there are other identities involved and stuff. Um, But then there's like dissociative amnesia. And that's typically, you know, we all forget things that happen to us. That's, you know, you could say, oh, I have amnesia. But dissociative amnesia typically has to do with maybe a traumatic event in our life that we forget or a period of time. And sometimes it surrounds that traumatic event too, but it could be five years or so. And so typically I think when I read about this, that um, a lot of times it has to do with like even a certain time in childhood that you don't remember that time. So that can be you know, indicative of that. And then the third one that we were looking at was, I think you had already mentioned that too. You did. um, I wasn't dissociating during that, but you talked about the depersonalization and derealization. And that's when people have this, they typically mention that it feels like they're standing outside of themselves, looking in on what's happening to them versus being present and in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so they either they don't feel like themselves and they're outside of themselves or they feel like it's not happening to them. They're sort of a spectator watching it happen. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, which can be very uncomfortable mm-hmm. and it can be very disconcerting. I've had some patients who have been, had a lot of anxiety about that because it doesn't usually feel very good. No, we all want to feel present. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, I've, I've noticed that a lot of people that have borderline personality disorder, a lot of people mm-hmm. that have PTSD and even mood disorders like depression and bipolar, they often use uh, dissociation in a way to kind of escape some of these mm-hmm. really negative um, intrusive thoughts or feelings that are basically unacceptable and they don't want to experience. And then they just zone out and, and, you know, sometimes they might choose to do so, but a lot of times it's just like, again, your, your limbic system, the emotional party brain just takes over and says, this is too much. I don't want to deal with this. I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. And I think that's something that is really helpful to those who are watching and listening to know that while our brain does want to protect us from things, there's helpful ways to do it, not just the unhelpful ways. So dissociation often looks like, you know, the unhealthy things like Mm -hmm. the shopping or the, you know, not being productive because we're zoning out and in our own imaginary world and those sorts of things. Or we have all these different personalities that we're dealing with. But there are also some really helpful things that people can do to protect themselves that doesn't protect them from the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And on that note, why don't we just dive into what can we do mm-hmm. to deal with dissociation in a healthy way? Um, and I think we can talk about treatment for it. But then also, I like your point that maybe not all dissociation is is bad, especially mm-hmm. if we're really dealing with a heavy trauma that we need to kind of take a break from and disconnect from. Right. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what what do we do when when what kind of treatments can we? Yeah. Have? 
Well, you know, I'm always going to go to the cognitive behavioral therapy because that's a my thing. That's right. But yeah. um, that's where the, the <laughs> anguish comes in, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> and and we don't have to go into all the technical techniques and stuff to talk about that. But one one thing that we can do is, you know, and this is helpful with a therapist, of course, or somebody that understands this process is. You know, when we when we think about certain traumatic memories, usually they're stored in a place where at whenever we're triggered to think of them, we go to that protective place. But if somebody's there to talk us through, sometimes we can we can put those memories in a different place or in a different form because we're remembering them differently. Because think about it. If you go through an experience as a child, say you're five years old, even up to 11 years old. You're not going to have the same way of looking at mm. it as you would today as an adult. So it would it might be helpful, even if it's a little troubling or disconcerting to have to think about those things, to go back and recognize that memory, but recognize it as an adult and reconstruct the memory in a way that makes more sense to a mature person versus an immature. And I'm not talking about you know, immaturity in a a bad way. But when you're a child, there are immature things that we do with our memories versus as an adult, there are more mature things that we can do with that memory, especially if we have somebody to help us. Exactly. So we don't fear that we're going to just get kind of stuck in that. Yeah. And and we're making sense of what actually happened, even though it might still be a very terrible thing that happened, we're now having a a little more of a sense of mastery and control rather Mm -hmm. than feeling like helpless and re-victimized. Yeah. And if you want to see a person go back to their childhood self, take them back to their home and watch them with their family sometimes and you become that child. But if you have somebody with you to say, like, hey, Amanda or hey, Daniel, (laughs) you know, as you go into this situation, let's look at it Remind yourself that you're an adult now. You're the same size as those people that you're dealing with. And how would you look at it in that way? Mm-hmm. That that sort of thing can really help you, you know, with that. So besides cognitive therapy, uh, what other sorts of things can we do to deal with dissociation? Well, grounding is a really helpful one. And literally grounding is for this type of thing, because when you're dissociating, you're not in the here and the now and grounding is to help you get in the here and now. We could go through like a hundred different ways to ground, but just some simple ones, even just paying attention to all of the things that are in the room. I like to call it taking a mental catalog of what's around you and you just go systematically, you know, from right to left or left to right, top to bottom. And you just notice all of the things that are around you that helps you if you're say in school or in a meeting or something and you catch yourself dissociating one of the best ways just take notes yeah. if you're taking notes that keeps you in the present you don't have the time to go off because you're busy writing things down you could do that in church if you dissociate some, yeah. sometimes yeah. i okay. do that now, I have to- see, <laughs> now i understand why i'm such a fastidious note taker it's because i tend to over there if i don't i'm curing all the problems in my life and i'm you know dealing with that sort of thing so exercise is a great way to do it um noticing the things around you like if you're on a hike or something like you know keeping track of like oh there's a little yellow flower over there oh look at that tree it's changed since the last time we were out here that 
that sort of thing is also helpful. Getting involved in hobbies, like healthy hobbies, you know, doing a 3D model or, you know, especially doing with other people too, that can really help. Um, You know, one of the things that sometimes helps too, one of the things that I've thought about is, you know, if you get triggered by a memory, one thing that I like to do, and visualization is what it's called, but I like to be specific about my visualization. For me, as a Christian, I like to think, where is God in this situation? Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm going through a difficult time, mm-hmm. like, what might he be doing in the process of this? And how might he be watching and protecting or providing for me or even growing me through the situation versus just me being there all by my, you know, lonesome vulnerable and afraid watching like, Hey, there's a bigger picture of this and, and God's there and taking care of me too. Um, yeah, I really like that. And in a way, I think that kind of helps me to understand a little bit better what you were saying earlier about the idea of maybe healthy dissociation, mm-hmm. because we can't necessarily see God right here, but we can know by faith that he's still there. He's with us and that he has a plan through, through this. And so, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, okay. So if I'm dealing with something where I do need that mental break and escape, instead of maybe escaping to something or even someone that really can't help me, whether, you know, it's uh, watching TV or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe a drug or hypnotherapist or whatever, why don't I intentionally go to God? Yeah. Why don't I intentionally, uh, dissociate, if you will, mm-hmm. meditate on his love for me, even though I can't see him right right now, uh, really trusting that he's there and he has good in mind for me. Yeah, it's really neat to think about, you know, you can separate in one way that may be unhealthy or doesn't give you the growth or something that you might want, but then you can also separate in a way that gives God the opportunity to put himself in the situation Mm. to take care of it while I'm watching now on the sidelines, seeing how he's going to do his work in, in that situation. So prayer is a great way to do that. Um, even reading God's word, it's, it's a way of, you know, we like to see stories of people overcoming and the Bible has many stories of people overcoming because they're watching God input himself as they separate themselves. From. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I even think about like the martyrs mm-hmm. that were many of them tortured or burned at the stake or, or whatever. And some of, some of them, many of them were able to even sing hymns and mm-hmm. uh, it seemed like, you know, the pain didn't touch them. And so in a way, you know, we think of some of these symptoms like dissociation, Oh, it's all negative. It's like, yeah. no, there's a purpose for it. And mm-hmm. I think that God can actually use it for a good, mm-hmm. a good thing. in in the end, uh, if we're connecting with the right uh, place during those times of where we need to dissociate. So, yeah. well, thank you, Amanda. I really mm-hmm. appreciate you sharing your expertise on this topic and I've learned a lot and, uh, I hope our listeners have too. Yeah. And so we want to remind uh, our listeners that dissociation is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It actually can be protective. It's, you know, basically that separation when we're feeling overloaded and it's most often uh, happens with trauma. Uh, that's at, at, at the root. 
but there are things that we want to be careful of, like mm-hmm. uh, hypnotherapy, certain types of meditation and, and drugs that can actually worsen it and, and make technology it yeah, too and technology. Can, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but there are also ways to make sure that we're handling our dissociative tendencies in mm-hmm. a healthy way. Like you said, the cognitive therapy, the grounding techniques. And then, you know, when we really do need to dissociate and disconnect that we're doing it in, in a healthy way, ideally rooted uh, mm-hmm. in a spiritual relationship uh, with God. And, and then maybe even, like you said, going out into nature can be kind of a positive, like distraction dissociation yeah. too. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, and thank uh, you. hope our listeners have a wonderful rest of your day. Mm-hmm. So, If you only take one thing away from today's show, remember this. If mental illness is a whole person problem, then it must have a whole person solution. I'm Dr. Daniel Bynas. And I'm Amanda Anguish. And you've been listening to The The Brain Brain People People Podcast. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes, find us on social media, or support us financially, visit thebrainpeoplepodcast.com. 